Welcome to episode 527 of Salcedo Paranormal, and tonight I'm continuing my review of the complete books of Charles Fort. As always, you can find all episodes along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page, and that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S-A-L-S-I-D-O, Paranormal. .podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. Uh, thank you all for listening, whether you are here for the live streams on Discord or if you listen on the podcast or YouTube feeds. Or on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. There you can hear replays of two episodes of the show every night at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. As always, I want to thank Michael Strange, host of Trouble Minds Radio, as well as Liam Martin, host of the Exile Minds podcast, for producing these shows and uh, putting them up on the network, along with the music that you hear uh, at the beginning and end of each episode there. If you'd like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. Um, all, support is, uh, all support is appreciated, but never expected. Um, you can help either by put, um, sharing the show with others, lost my chat there, um, and or rating and reviewing the show on your podcast platform of choice. You can find uh, paranormal fiction and nonfiction books I've written over on Amazon. You can also sign up for the uh, Patreon page for the podcast and uh, get one extra True Paranormal Stories from the Web episode per month. I'll be recording that within the next couple days here. Um, just got to find the material again for that. And, um, and so that's available to all membership level tiers there. Or you can just make a one-time donation through PayPal. All, all help is uh, never expected, but always appreciated. As, uh-oh, let me see here. It says no sound. Uh, let me look. It shows that I'm, I'm saying that, or that it's picking up. Let me see here. Check on something. And it shows that it's recording. So I don't know why. It wouldn't be recorded, or that there wouldn't be any sound. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, everything looks okay on my end. I don't know if maybe there's something going on um, with on your end there, PDG, in the chat. Uh, hopefully not. Um, but um, let me see here. So help is always appreciated, never expected. Uh, there are expenses in making these shows uh, from uh, equipment to research materials to uh, travel expenses in some cases. And um, so help is always appreciated. Uh, I think that covers everything there. Uh, okay, good. So I'm glad it was your end. Um, just uh, technical issues happen to everyone, so no worries there. Uh, okay, so um, I believe I covered everything there. And um, and thank you for um, I always thank everyone for being there in the chat and for 
mentioning if there is no sound because sometimes it's you never know whose end it's on um, until everyone sort of checks. So no problem there. Um, that's why this is a live stream. So um, yeah, so this is uh, we're continuing our our look into the complete books of uh, Charles Fort, and um, so we're on part three of. Uh, his book Low, that's L-O, and um, so we we finished the part two of that book la uh, last time, last night when we recorded, and um, so we're gonna get back into that uh, tonight here. So let me just find the get back to the document here, and uh, this is again part three. This is chapter twenty-four, and this chapter provides many examples of unusual phenomena that occurred uh, prior to major earthquakes, such as changes in the color of the sun and moon, uh, strange clouds and mists, torrential rains, and falls of dust or mud from clear skies. That's odd. Charles Fort argues there are, uh, these are, excuse me, related to the earthquakes and not mere coincidences. Uh, conventional scientists tend to dismiss and ignore these anomalous occur occurrences in their accounts of earthquakes, instead focusing only on the localized geological effects. Uh, Charles Fort accuses them, of course, of narrowly clipping and trimming the data to fit their explanations and that is something that can be done with data of any kind about any situation um i believe there's even a term of uh, cherry picking the data so um that there's something that can happen people can do that so says that um the chapter suggests some of these strange phenomena could be evidence of volcanic eruptions occurring somewhere beyond the earth <clears throat> Excuse me, such as in a nearby starry shell or celestial celestial realm. For argues the earthquakes and attendant phenomena on Earth are responses to these extraterrestrial volcanic uh, activities. Let's see here. The overarching point is that scientists should not ignore data that doesn't. Uh, fit their conventional explanations. The chapter argues for a perspective that sees connections between anomalous occurrences in the skies and on Earth, rather than dismissing them as coincidences. So that's that chapter. And um, and yeah, I've heard of that before. Sort of another phrase I've heard used when it comes to even just paranormal or UFO things is moving the goalposts in a, a sports reference there where what, how much or what kind of proof is, in, is enough. Um, <laughs> I see that in the chat there. Aliens emptying the toilet tanks. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, but so yeah, I think that, um, that in, in that book there, that is a good point that people will do that in some cases. And, um, will basically pick the data they want to to uh, focus on to paint whatever picture they want to um, to to have everyone focus on as well. So 
Um, moving on here to the next chapter, uh, 25. This chapter describes strange events like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and lights in the sky that occurred in Peru and Italy in 1868 and 1872. Uh, Charles Fort suggests these events are related and challenges conventional scientific explanations. In August of 1868, there was a massive earthquake in Peru with reports of the sky glowing red. The glow was attributed to volcanic eruptions, but no, uh, no eruption could be confirmed as the source. In February of 1872, there were two nights where a glow was seen in the constellation Orion. Meteors and possibly dust fell in Italy around the same time. In April of 1872, more dust fell in Italy, and Vesuvius became active. Uh, that's another volcano. On April 20th, Vesuvius erupted violently. Charles Fort argues the lights in Orion, meteors, and Vesuvius eruption are all related, challenging the scientific view that they were coincidences. He suggests a teleportive current between a volca volcano and Orion. That's that's amazing, huh? Uh, and, Ven and then Vesuvius, implying Orion uh, is not as distant as conventionally believed. Uh, in summary, the text describes anomalous events in the late 1860s and 70s and challenges conventional scientific explanations, suggesting connections between celestial and terrestrial events. And that just means off-planet, non-planet, basically. Uh, that they imply different understandings of astronomical uh, distances. So the thing about the um, the lights, I believe that that is more of a more of a <clears throat> excuse me. It is something that I believe scientists accept now, which or at least it's been um, put out there. Uh, at least I've heard a lot about it, and not just in sort of paranormal circles that. Um, these lights can be generated by all the, the movement of the planet, of, the, of the, all the materials of the planet, and the, the lava and the, and the stone and the rock and all the energy of that friction and, and all those different things, all those forces, causing lights that appear um, in the sky near where these things happen. So, um, so yeah, that's amazing that Fort was thinking about that and maybe trying to figure that out. Um, about a hundred years ago, basically. So, uh, moving on to the next chapter here. I'm getting through these faster today. Um, let's see here. This is chapter 26. This chapter discusses, uh, strange phenomenon from, uh, or like horses, uh, erecting, horse erecting in, um, I'm not sure about so blizzards of 
not sure about that one, those couple words there. But uh, blizzards of frogs, glowing clouds, meteors, wild temperature swings, and other things around the world in the late 18, or 19th century. It suggests that these may have been related to volcanic eruptions, potentially even uh, extraterrestrial ones. It focuses especially on the 1883 Krakatoa eruption and 1886 Charleston earthquake, documenting meteors, glowing skies, and other odd events around those times. The author argues conventional scientists ignored or dismissed uh, connections between these phenomena. Now, this chapter challenges the speed of light, questioning if celestial events like uh, new stars can be seen on Earth instantly. It argues distances to stars and nebulae, as nebula, different um, multiple nebula. Uh, are not as vast as claimed. The uh, so Fort believes that Earth may be stationary again. This is going back to back hundred years with volcanoes interacting electrically. That's an amazing idea there uh, across space. The text provides examples like light flashing between uh, volcanoes or ash clouds traveling between them. Overall, the chapter promotes unorthodox geological theories, uh, citing unusual historical events as evidence that conventional science has failed to see uh, connections and challenge dominant paradigms. It aims to prompt reevaluation of explanations for phenomena like earthquakes, volcanic eruptions and celestial events now even just thinking of it this way even without the idea of the planet being stationary um i i mean if if volcanoes are big enough i don't see why there couldn't be some kind of an energy interaction between um between them if they're on different masses whether it's earth or not i wonder if there's some kind of connection to that so I don't know, but um, it's like I said, just amazing to read these things this far back, and um, and then all these things that are, that he's talking about there that that are still being looked into today. And the chat there, uh, PDG says, what amazes me is sometimes the animals uh, fall still alive. Yeah, when well, the, the different falls of animals and of all kinds, sometimes they're still alive, and um. That really is amazing, and other times they're not. It's it's just really how what determines that, what um what causes that some to be alive and others not to be. So, um yeah, so that's another chapter there. Uh, moving on to the uh, let me see here, yeah, moving on to the next one here, chapter twenty seven. This chapter discusses several instances of new stars, novas and supernovas, appearing in the night sky, which were often first observed by amateur astronomers rather than professionals. It criticizes professional astronomers. <laughs> There's a lot of that. 
um, for missing these new stars. And he, he criticizes a lot of mainstream science uh, over and over and over again. So I apologize if that gets old for anyone. Kind of does for me, but um, this chapter describes dust and ash falls on Earth, such as in Indiana in 1892, that may have originated from the new stars exploding. Other strange events like earthquakes and unusual clouds are also mentioned around the times of the new stars appearing. That's odd. Uh, this chapter recounts the eruption of Mount Pele, I believe, volcano in Martinique in 1902 that destroyed the city of uh, St. Pierre. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And, wow, killed 30,000 people. Uh, it accuses two scientists, we won't go into names, uh, of negligently assuring there was no uh, danger from the volcano before its eruption. It also criticizes authorities for uh, preventing people from evacuating the city. Overall, the chapter seems to argue that new stars and celestial events can foreshadow or be related to natural disasters and upheavals on Earth. But mainstream scientists fail to recognize these connections. It highlights failures by authorities and accepted scientific opinion leading to tragedy. Um, so that is an amazing idea, again, that things that are out in space can have such major effects on Earth. I don't know nearly enough about, about science to, um, to really put much in either, uh, put much in on that, that point there. <clears throat> but, um, so I'm not going to, but yeah, that's an amazing idea. Even just to think of what would that look like? Would it, would it look like the things that have already happened that he's describing or would it be something different? So moving on to the next chapter here, um, 28, this one says in 19, uh, no, October of 1902, vast volumes of smoke of unknown origin obscured navigation from the Philippines to Hong Kong and Australia. Some attributed, attributed it to volcanic eruptions in Sumatra, but there was no evidence to support this. On November 12th of 1902, there was a strange event in Australia, except Queensland, where dust, mud, and fireballs fell from the sky. Causing fires. Wow, that's wild. These were unexplained. In February to March of 1903, dust fell along the west coast of Africa and parts of Europe. Conventional thinking was it came from a whirlwind in Africa, but there was no evidence to support this. At the same time, dust and mud fell in Australia. In September of 1905, luminous phenomena preceded an earthquake in Calabria, Italy. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. That killed thousands. Uh, reports of meteors were dismissed by Professor, uh, again, we won't, we won't go into this, as only one witness. 
The text argues these events are related and evidence the Earth is, again, going to that stationary idea, with disturbances originating beyond Earth affecting it. And it criticizes conventional scientific thinking for dismissing connections as coincidences and providing overly, uh, sorry, only um, local explanations. So even, again, taking out the stationary thing, um, just the idea of other masses out there, other objects in, in space having effects on, on this planet is just an amazing concept. And he keeps going back to that. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Let me see here. The uh, so the fireballs. I would think. Uh, I would think the world was ending. Yeah, uh, from PDG in the chat there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, definitely. If those things are coming down from the sky, that's a. That's um, pretty dramatic. About as dramatic as you can get, especially if it's com not coming from, or even if it just. I mean. I don't know how it would be coming from Earth. So it would be just automatically, where is this coming from? So, yeah. Um, let's see if we can get through one more chapter here. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, chapter 29. Uh, this chapter discusses examples of astronomers failing to observe new stars and other astronomical phenomena while Amateurs and observatories in other locations uh, reported them. In 1899, some astronomers claimed to observe a companion star to Capella, but later astronomers could not confirm it. Uh, images of the Andromeda, Andromeda Nebula used to show a spiral shape, but recent images do not suggesting astronomers see what they expect to see. That, I don't know um, enough about the shape of that to, to say anything else about that. Uh, it says, no star has been observed changing position relative to another, just as volcanoes on Earth do not move relative to each other. Huh. I don't know. I think they do move, but anyway. Um, I'm not a scientist at all, so. Uh, in the past, the lack of observed motion and changes was explained by um, vast distances while mathemati mathematicians dominated astronomy. Uh, nowadays, and again, this is not nowadays, this is back in early 1900s, um, new stars are frequently observed by amateurs while um, professionals miss them until informed. Several examples are given of new stars reported by amateurs but missed by uh, major observatories and professionals. The text argues astronomers are biased by expectations and often miss observation, uh, observational evidence of changes seen by amateur astronomers. Um, I would guess that could go any number of ways, too, though. I mean, if... if um, that doesn't really talk about the number of times when um, it sort of went the other way um, where professionals or whatever higher tech equipment picked up things that the, that the amateurs quote unquote did not. So I'm not so as an, as interested in that part um, exactly, but still um, that's, that's Fort's views on that topic. 
But that's all the time we have for this episode. And uh, I'll be back um, next time with the next episode of Salcedo Paranormal. Take care.